heathens. Hope your Friday is off to a great start. Last week, you listened to part one of Mickey's story, and she really laid the groundwork for her experience escaping the Jehovah's Witness cult. Today is the second part of that story, so go back and listen to the first one if you haven't already. Because in this one, Mickey really gets into the nitty-gritty of her personal experience and the personal effects that these teachings and this belief system had on her as a human being and as a woman. Even if you didn't grow up Jehovah's Witness or have a super culty background, we all need to do better as a society when it comes to our approach with women, control, and religion as a whole. This episode does contain details of a sensitive nature, so please listen with caution. You grew up Jehovah's Witness, right? And you didn't leave until you were 35? Yes. Do you want to tell your story on that? Yeah. Um, So... With this, what happened was in the middle of the night, he came into his sister's room where I was staying and he tried to kiss me. Um, He put my hand down his pants and got me to basically jerk him off. Um, I didn't know what to do. I pretended to stay asleep. Like I was like, I don't know what to do. Completely froze. Um, His sister is in a bed over there. One of my good friends is in a bed over here and I'm I'm on the mattress on the floor. Um, the next day he messaged me and he was like, Oh, sorry, I was drunk. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cause yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like, what do I do? Um, later I was talking about this with some other friends and they were like, dude, that's like so inappropriate. Like you need to go to the elders. Um, then it got back to his sisters that I was talking about this with my friends and how that happened. Um, and then they started threatening me like, Oh, you're telling people that our brother tried to rape you and that's not true. And we're going to destroy you and like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So I went to my elders to talk about it. I was crying. It was horrible. Um, and essentially the elders are all men and usually there'll be two, maybe three present or something like this. Um, I got asked all of the questions about what happened. Where did he touch me? Where did I touch him? Um, was I a willing participant? Um, and then when I said, you know, I pretended to be asleep, I got, well, why didn't you flee? Why didn't you do something? You could have run it. You could have left. And I was like, what? <laughs> and this is pre-smartphone. Like I didn't have a map on my phone. I was in a city that was fairly not, I wouldn't say dangerous, but more dangerous in terms of like, I don't know where I was. <laughs> um, and aren't you in their house? In the middle of the night in their house. Where am I going to go? It, it wasn't my car that we went yeah. down in. So it was someone else's car. Like what am I, what, like it's a, trauma response to freeze which you would know if you knew anything about mental health um (laughs) which they don't and it was basically all blamed on me um I was lucky in that I wasn't disfellowshipped for participating and sending flirty texts with this guy um he denied it so it never happened so (laughs) I had come to find out later that my friend saw him do it. And when I asked her, like, you know, well, would you help back me up? She was like, no, (laughs) no way. Oh my God. Uh, And there was another girl that I knew who said that he did the same thing to her. And I was like, well, would you help back me up? And she was like, no, because I've seen how they've treated you and I don't want to go through that. (laughs) I was like, cool. (laughs) So. Well, you mentioned earlier you've had you were dealing with some abandonment issues and I can see why that would, you know, be an area of trauma for you. Like that's, you were abandoned by people who were supposed to have your back and people who you thought would trust you and look out for you and defend you. And everyone said, no. everyone tried to pretend it didn't happen when it absolutely happened. No. Yep. And I, at the time had no idea. I was just like, okay, well, I guess it was my fault. Like I should have, I should have fled. I should have screamed. I should have done something. It's my fault. Um, and we're Jehovah's witnesses are taught to forgive up to 77 times, you know, like you just got to keep on forgiving. So that's what I did. And I just kept on going. Um, 
now that I've left, I'm a little bit more angry about it. Um, I don't really get angry as such. Like I'm not going to go be violent and stuff, but I'm like, it's, it's angering to be, to realize like what you've said, like I was left like by people that should have had my back. Um, yeah, something could have been done about it and it wasn't. And you were abandoned by your friends, people you trusted, but also an organization that you've committed three decades to, not at that point, but like overall three decades yeah. to, and the moment that you needed someone in your corner, where where is anyone? Yeah. No one, no one came, no one came to your corner for you. And that's unfair and yeah. you're absolutely valid in feeling enormous amounts of anger mm. thank you <laughs> yeah it's not and like that's a big part of why I do speak out on my experience like I'm pretty open about anything because I don't think we should feel alone I don't want anyone else to feel alone especially when they're waking up and leaving um I can I can take the like comment abuse online um where people are like oh it's just your experience you just had a bad experience that's not what being a Jehovah's Witness is and you're lying, blah, 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 whatever. I can take that as long as someone out there is hearing what I'm saying and that it resonates with them and it helps them. Like, yay. <laughs> it's fine. It's already happened to me, whatever, it's done. But if I can either help someone leave or prevent someone from joining, right? that's what I'm here for. And bringing awareness to, yeah. because it, it is your experience, but it isn't just your experience. There's so many people out there that speak yeah. out on it. But what about everyone else who isn't at that place where they can speak out about it and speak openly about it um, for various reasons? And no mm. one's required to speak out about it, but that doesn't make their experience any less no. real or valid. And it's a huge if if your religion, especially like specific to this, what did you say the nickname was like a, a pedophile's paradise or something? Yeah. This isn't yes. just Mickey. Like what? <laughs> no. This is universal. No. This is not just a one-off. It's a pattern. Right. It's a problem. Um, and like I, I recently did a TikTok and it was a bit like bold of me to say. Um, I was just like, you know, talking about how, because um, I think there's a trend on TikTok at the moment. Like, And I said to myself, mm. a man can do it. A man can do this. Like, you know, and I was like, well, you know, like there are so many extra homeless witness men speaking up. They're probably the heavy hitters on YouTube. And in general, when people leave, they tend to just listen to men talk about their experiences. And so my TikTok was basically like, you know, like um, me deciding to talk about my experience. Uh, like I put that in the headline and in my caption, I was like, you know, I want to help encourage and amplify women. Um, you know, what's stopping you from speaking up? Um, and someone said, well, I'm afraid that I won't have a unique, anything unique to say. And like, I've, I've really been thinking about that because I still have to reply. It doesn't have to be something unique because it really highlights right. the pattern, the problem. Like if this happened to you, it happened to you. I'm not saying that everybody has to go online and go blah, blah, blah about everything. Um, if there's a piece of art you want to do, a poem, a book, even just talking about your experience to a friend who was never a witness, like everything helps because it helps you to talk about it. It helps you to get it off your chest and it helps other people to understand what, what we go through as Jehovah's witnesses. I completely agree. I've, <laughs> I've had people reach out to me, say the exact same thing, like want to come on here and, and talk about their experience. And then I've had people back out of it and say, well, I just feel like I don't have some crazy cult story. And I'm like, that's, that's the point is that that's how it, these organizations get away with it yeah. is because it's so normalized. And when you're in it that deep, it's just everyone around you is experiencing something like it, that it doesn't feel that out of the norm. You realize after you get out, like it wasn't okay. It wasn't right, but you don't think it's as like you start questioning and kind of gaslighting your own experience to yourself about it. But sharing our stories is not about sensationalizing what our experience was. It's not about, it's not a comparison no. of who has the biggest, craziest cult experience and story. Exactly. So I think we were talking before about like, you know, purity culture and marriage and stuff. Even once you get married, 
you can't get divorced unless someone can prove adultery. So there are women and probably men as well. I'm not, I don't want to discount this, but it's probably skewed more that women are being abused and like beaten by their husbands. I, I knew so many friends and, and women that were, and they can't leave their husbands because they can't get divorced. Like it's, it's literally crime happening daily <laughs> in so many different ways. So the, the only way you can get out is adultery yeah. and only if there's two witnesses like if you can prove outside it. of yeah. you and you're okay. So I don't think that the two witness rule necessarily plays into it too much because you can prove this by like text or photos or oh, something true. like it's fine. And if the, if the cheating spouse denies it and you sleep with them and then they admit to it, well, it's too late. You slept with them because <laughs> so it's like, or even if they admit to it and you still sleep with them, you can't get divorced because you, you, that's an act of forgiveness. So <laughs> like, it's insane. <sighs> yeah. Never insane. ends with these people. No. But also in marriage, I talked about this recently. There's consent in marriage. Isn't really a thing. Mm. Um, if your husband wants to engage in something sexual you have to concede that's part of the marriage expectations so conceding is not consent no i had no idea what consent was when i was a jehovah's witness not that i was married and had to know but <laughs> like they right, just don't teach that still i remember going and sitting at the most awkward public talk at the kingdom hall um the guy on the platform was talking about like sex and that as a woman, you're not allowed to deny your man the marital due. Um, even if you're on your period, you can't say you've got a headache and deny it. You've got to go through with it. Like, it was just so, yeah. so like, I was like, what? <laughs> and cause I've got endometriosis. Right. And at that time I was like, what? So even if I get married, I still can't have sex because like I was having my period for like three weeks out of a month. Like what? <laughs> Oh my God. Like, yeah. Say, I guess I'm never getting yeah, married. Yeah. Like, like, what's the point? <laughs> we ain't doing that. <laughs> so yeah. So if you're married, your husband cheats on you, but then, and you're like, Hey, I think you're cheating on me. And he's like, nah. And so then you end up, you're like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably mm. overthinking it. I'm probably wrong. He's the man. He's the head of the household. I'm being emotional. So mm -hmm. you forgive him. AKA you concede, you end up having sex, which is not consent. You're just conceding because that's the expectation. And as a woman, you have to do it. You conceding yeah. is considered forgiveness. Being a woman is a curse. Yeah. And he'll be like, she slept with me. So too late. I mean, you might be lucky. You, you might have like a good elder's body that will like, or body of elders that will um, pick up on that and be like, hey, that was like deceitful, but probably not. You Again. definitely can't count on that. No. So it's, it's, it's awful. It's truly, truly awful. I absolutely hate that you experienced all of those, those things. And it just, it's so rampant. And it's like, I imagine it yeah. feels pretty heavy and like helpless, that helpless feeling of, how can anything change? Like mm. no one's standing up for you. No one's standing up for your female friends or the children in your congregation. It's just kind of like this resolve of, I guess this is just how it is. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, I, I would think to myself, um, oh, well, I guess Jehovah will fix it in the new system. Like, if I encountered like something that was super misogynistic or sexist, like blatantly. And I'd be like, Oh, well, I guess like, you know, Jehovah will sort out that person's thinking in the new system. They're imperfect. Like they can't be right all the time. Like there's all these thought stopping right. techniques, I guess that you just kind of impose on yourself. Gosh. Well, I don't think you imposed yeah. on yourself. I think it was <laughs> it strategically yeah. taught to you, which became part yeah. of your brain structure as it does all of us who grow up in those high control, high demand groups. 
unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I don't think people get enough credit, you especially considering the amount of time that you spent, the the deconstruction process, the like healing process of once you kind of get out of that. It's so much work. It's sucks. Like so it's much. so much. It's so exhausting. Like people kind of glamorize yeah. like, oh my healing journey. No, this shit fucking it's hard yeah. and it no, sucks. Yeah. And do you know it's, how much we cry? <laughs> All it's happens. like never ending. Never. It's never ending. It's not like you're gonna like in five months be healed. No. Like you're gonna be healing for a very long for time. For the rest of your life. <laughs> like honestly yeah. If you think about it, the, the amount of layers that we talked about, like that go into the religion itself and the brainwashing and, and all of that, mm. for every layer of that, there's a layer of undoing and of healing that you kind of have to sort through. And then I, I always talk about how healing is not linear. It's almost like a spiral mm. where it's like every time you think that you're healed from something, it's like there'd be another trigger about that same thing. Like yes. then it's like pops back up. Then it's like another layer of that same cycle that you have to heal. And it's, it's, it's a lot. It really is. It's a lot. Is it worth um, it? Of course, but I'm not going to say that absolutely. it's all, you know, sunshine <laughs> and rainbows and my little yeah, pony. Like your shirt. <laughs> Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to show yes, that later. Yes, please, please. <laughs> There are still also like layers from like my personal life that um, also, so, you know, if we wanted to go yeah. into my Let's part of it. the story now, I guess, Tell me um, I think I've covered enough of, of the cult speak and the, <laughs> the doctrine and, and whatnot. Um, I do have a series on TikTok that covers all the things Jehovah's Witnesses can't do. And I'm currently doing one about Jehovah's Witness cult speak. Ooh, so it can sort of like great. define these terms for, for the day-to-day, everyday general viewers, I suppose. Um, because there's so much there. Like, you can't just talk about your experience without having to talk about, well, this actually means right. this, 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 and this. Right. <laughs> um, and the nuances that come with that are, yeah. are so specific, specific to each little thing. It's like, it's hard, especially for yeah. outsiders, it's hard to know what certain things mean just hearing someone else talk about. So I think that's a great that's a great series to have. But now oh, I want to hear more about your <laughs> personal experience as a JW. Cool. Um, so my mom started studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses when I was five. And so studying means like going through their publications that are study aids to studying the Bible. Um, uh, so she was a person that they knocked on the door and she got interested and they would call, call back with the magazines and then they started doing the Bible study with her. Um, so I started going to meetings when I was five. Um, she didn't get baptized until I was 15, which is actually quite a long time. Generally they want a study to get baptized within a year, wow. maybe two, you know, they want it to happen quite quickly. What, what took so long? Um, <laughs> we moved around a lot and my mum my mum <laughs> is uh crazy <laughs> to put it lightly I don't know she's complicated oh, oh, um, we're gonna get into that <laughs> yeah so she she yeah we moved around a lot she was her crazy self and I also like I don't like using the term crazy but I just don't have another word yeah. right now to to describe how my mom is. Um, yeah. So that's why I guess that's why it took a long time, but the entire time I was going to meetings and we were studying with different, like my brother and I were studying with, um, different members of each congregation that we were in. Um, and then when I was 13, we kind of settled in a spot in West Auckland and she, um, yeah, took it more seriously, I guess. And But my entire life, from 5 to 13, like I was fully believing that there was Jehovah, Jehovah was God, we're supposed to go field service, we're supposed to go to meetings, Jehovah's Witnesses are the one true religion, um, all of that. And loved going to the meetings. Um, I, I think back now it's because my mom couldn't be verbally physically or emotionally abusive at the meetings Ooh. because there were people around um so it was like a safe space for me like a safe spot um a place of quiet i suppose and like 
yeah, we settled. I was 13. I was studying with the sister and my brother was studying with her husband. Um, my brother never got interested enough. He was uh, three years younger than me. He was just doing it because mum was telling him he had to, but I was taking it all very seriously. Um, <laughs> and then my mum gets baptised when I was 15. Um, from the age of 16, I started asking my elders if I could get baptised um, because my friends were getting baptised and at the time there was kind of like this this feeling that, oh, you're not baptised, so we're not going to invite you to the the things that us baptized witnesses are doing, us, us young ones. And I was like, oh, I need to get baptized so that I can yeah. be included. Um, my mum and my biological father divorced when I was three, I think. And so he was never in my life um, after age of five. I think we visited a couple times, but I don't really remember it. Um, and I was always told my father wanted nothing to do with me and my brother who wanted nothing to do with us, took all our money, took the, took everything and doesn't want anything to do with us kids. Um, so that's one part of my abandonment issues. <laughs> yeah. So from the age of jumping back, um, from the age of 16, like I wanted to be included. I wanted to be with all my friends. I believe this was the truth as they say. And that's such a crucial age where you like social, your social standing and your social status and just your group of friends, like, and being able to be integrated with that is so yep. important, <laughs> no matter if you're religious yep. or not. And, but the act, extra pressure. Yeah. Um, there's, I bet you did. There's even a talk like from one of the governing body members saying like, oh, your, your child wants to get a, a driver's license. How about they get baptized first? Like make that the goal. <laughs> like that's what that's how deep it is like you should be getting baptized um so I asked and then I was told no because I had I don't I didn't answer up enough at the meetings um so I was like okay because that's a marker of just how spiritual spiritual you are as a Jehovah's Witness um so I worked on that I asked again a year later and they said no because I there was a month where I didn't go out in field service, so I had a zero in my hours because you're supposed to report your where you were. They changed this last year. Supposed to report how many hours you went out in um, field service, and there was zero one month when I was sitting exams in high school. Like I feel like that was fairly reasonable. Yeah, so they said no. That kind of took a hit to me like I, I was like oh well like why am I not good enough like why am I never good enough and I felt like I was always viewed as the daughter of a study because I wasn't like a fourth generation born in Jehovah's Witness I was already less than because I was just the daughter of a study even though my mom had gotten baptized eventually um and having no like male Jehovah's Witness father figure you know like that's obviously where all the power is so then I asked again I think when I was 18 uh coming up to 19 and I got baptized when I was 19 um and amazing like I was like yeah finally I've made it like I'm a true Jehovah's Witness now um but then the pressure comes on to not go to college not go to university uh you want to be a pioneer which is a Jehovah's Witness who spends I think they've changed the hour requirement but it was 90 hours a month out in field service door knocking <laughs> you can you can go door to door as an unbaptized publisher so you have to apply to be an unbaptized publisher they let you but there's no there's no specific hour requirement for unbaptized publishers or regular baptized publishers um but ideally you'd be wanting to get at least 10 to show that you are <laughs> you know doing something you want to pioneer you have to do the 90 hours um it used to be even more than that uh, like back in the day that's crazy <laughs> and you can auxiliary pioneer which is a step below um being a regular pioneer and that's 50 hours a month so i would on and off do that um just to show that you know i'm taking this seriously while working full-time <laughs> in a supermarket because I, I couldn't go to university and pursue what I wanted to pursue. So you were just training cool. to be a good <laughs> wife. Yes, basically. Um, 
and then it was it was confusing because a lot of my friends came from families that were a bit more well off and they could work mm. part time right. and do the pioneering whereas I had to work full time and just do auxiliary pioneering when I could and it was like never enough and I was never good enough um yeah so I also like how do how do I phrase this? Like I thought the end of the world was coming at any moment, mm-hmm. right? And I got into debt, and thinking that like I, I won't ever have to pay this off, and so that obviously kept me working full time as well because I had to pay off debt and keep paying off debt, and then keep keep getting more into debt because you know they keep you in that kind of yeah. cycle, um, the way it is. Um, that's also something like I I haven't really gone into on my TikToks or Instagram yet, but it's something I do want to talk about because it's just like such a mind fuck to be told, like, you know, the end of the world is coming. Like, why wouldn't you get into debt? Like take out thousands of dollars in loans to go travel and meet other Jehovah's witnesses and go door knocking overseas. Um, like all, yeah, all of that, obviously, like, like getting pressure. points for getting points for Jehovah. Essentially, you're going to rank yeah. higher than monetary debts to a collector. Like that makes I can yeah. see why that would make sense to do that because you're like I'm yeah, not going to be around it. here for it anyway. So I might as well use that to kind of like push me towards this other end goal. That's you know a yeah. higher thing to and achieve. Like, I want to be perceived as like being spiritual and like being a nice Jehovah's witness woman so that I can get a husband (laughs) as well. Like not that I was overly like searching for a man. Um, it was just like, okay, I, I want to be somewhere and feel safe. Like I want someone to take care of me because no one's taking care of me at all. (laughs) And I've, I've been taught my whole life that that's what, what would happen if I got married. Um, which more often than not is not the case. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and then you were, you, know? you said you were going to church essentially to have some reprieve and some safety from your mother. But then as we learned before, you eventually learn you can't even go to the church to receive safety from other church members. So then you're like, yeah. okay, well, if I get a, you know, if I eventually have a husband, then I will feel a sense of safety and security with that. But then, yeah. then there's the layers that we already but talked about not. with that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just this yeah, constantly exactly. seeking. And like you said, never good enough. All of these expectations to be better, be better, be better, be better. To be worthy yeah. to receive any of that back. That's just an impossible standard. Yeah. And so like the layers of deconstruction that I've had to sort of go through since leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses is not just like undoing Jehovah's Witness doctrine. It's like, why do I have this fear of abandonment? Why am I a people pleaser? Like doing shadow work and figuring out like my actual self and why I react to things the way that I do. And like, there's just so many things and it's exhausting, (laughs) but I I'm also like so much happier now than I was as like a dazed Jehovah's Witness. Like, (laughs) You know, that's encouraging. I was, I was like, I was depressed and anxious as a Jehovah's witness. Um, I still have anxiety and I have issues that I'm working on, but now I have the toolkit that I can draw from, like to help myself to get over certain things. Like Jehovah's witnesses are discouraged from going to therapy as well. Like, why would you go to therapy? You have the Bible, you have the truth. Like, <laughs> and also, yeah. if you go to therapy by a real, you know, trained professional, then they're going to recognize the signs and be like, "Hey, you're in kind of you're in an abusive relationship, <laughs> or you should go." And, and they're also mandated reporters, yeah. so if they find out anything, yeah, and that could expose them. Yep. So no, yeah. I was going to ask a minute ago, what what Bible do Jehovah's Witness use? They use their own one, the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, which they updated in 2013. There, there are issues with that, like where they've taken from the Bible and they've added to it in their own words, um, like they've added in their own interpretation and stuff. Um, but they frame it as like this is the most true, most authentic version, that you know, most up to date and and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they have their own Bible. <laughs> I mean, Sus. yeah. 
sus. Yes. <laughs> They're all sus. <laughs> so you were baptized. So I moved in and went flatting for about six months to a year with some friends. Um, we're very American. We don't know what flatting. What does that mean? <laughs> Is it roommates? Flatting? Do you, you move in with other people? Yeah. How interesting. It's like, so I'm flatting now. Like I'm in a flat with um, two other people. So they're my flatmates. So I guess they're roommates, I oh. think. But we have separate rooms. I don't know. So we say roomies. <laughs> like if I have a roommate, we'll call them roomies. Do you call them flatties? Sorry. Oh, yeah. wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's our, that's <laughs> actually our, our group chat. No <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that feels like a big move, no pun intended, to move yeah, out yeah. with roommates, which I assume are also Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's okay. Witnesses, yeah. Yeah, 100% not allowed to live with worldly mm -hmm. people. And they were obviously other women because I wasn't allowed to live with men. Um, it was quite funny because my, like, my close friend that I mentioned earlier, like we used to joke about how like if only we could flat together because, you know, he's gay right. and... I'm not interested in him anyway. <laughs> I was like, why can't we live together? Like, this could be fun. But we couldn't. Um, yeah, so I was with those two um, for a while. Then I moved back home. And at that point, my mum had stopped going to meetings and started basically fading out um, and became inactive is the Jehovah's Witness term. Um, just because she had some issues with a couple of people in the congregation and she does have chronic fatigue um, and a couple of health issues that were like impacting her ability to go to the meetings, which like fair enough. Um, and then, so I kind of like, because I was living back at home, drifted away a little bit and I stopped going to the meetings. I made some friends at work and hung out with them and I got a tattoo, um, my first one. We <laughs> like a. I love it. Oh, I bet they and for hated me it was that. Like, yeah, it was like representative to me of like how I felt alone and left behind from my congregation at the time, and like nobody was checking in on me, nobody was checking up on me. They weren't inviting me to the meetings. They weren't oh. making sure I was coming. You know, mm -hmm. just leaving me to it. Um, and then eventually one of my friends was like, Oh, why don't you try coming to my congregation? And I moved in with one of her friends and started flatting with her, um, for a little bit. Interestingly, that only lasted like six months. And then the landlord was like, Oh, we're actually going to sell the house. So you need to leave. Um, and I, that friend that I was living with, she stopped going to meetings and started deconstructing and oh. she was one of the first people that I connected with when I woke up Oh wow! and she's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you had someone like immediately. Yes. Looked. Yeah. Um, but the friend that told me to, to come to her congregation and stuff, um, I basically started going to her meetings and made some more friends again, moved in with an older like older sister um and she was the mother of one of my other friends that I loosely knew and I moved in with her and I was there for like I think seven years and mm -hmm. basically helped her get to the meetings I started going to the Spanish with her because she was from South America um and then that's how I got like I, to me being in a Spanish yeah. congregation like helped keep it exciting like because I was learning a language like I love languages um the, the culture, the people, like just everything's a lot more vibrant yeah. than sort of the stuffy English mm. <laughs> kind of environment that um, I was in in New Zealand. Um, like, yeah, that's, that's another thing. Like, it was fun being a Jehovah's Witness. Like, I made it fun. <laughs> and there were fun things. And there are people I miss. There are times that I miss yeah. and the memories were good. But there's also, like, so many harmful beliefs right. and that's the problem like i could never have pink hair if right. i was a jehovah's witness um i couldn't have my nose pierced no tattoos of course no yeah. pants in the kingdom hall like <laughs> it's highly controlled so did you continue to go to church even with the tattoo yes and when i first started going back um people were like oh are you just like a study like are you studying to be a jehovah's witness i'm like no i've been baptized for like you know five years however many years it was at the time and then they'll be like oh 
<laughs> but because I was inactive when I got it, I, it's like a loophole. A lot of people would do that. Like uh, they stop going, okay. they get their tattoos, they do, they do whatever. Um, and if they weren't going to meetings and nobody knew about it until later, they might not get this fellowship. Like, right you could get away with some right. things unfortunately for me that was the only thing i got away with <laughs> well, basically <sure>. yeah <laughs> um yeah i kept going doing my thing and the pandemic hit in 2020 um i had been dating a, a brother a friend of mine like we'd been friends for a couple of years and then we were like oh we actually like each other um, and then we broke up in 2020 in February, then the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown in March and I was living by myself. Um, again, no one really checked in on me from my congregation and mm. I felt really alone. Um, abandoned. abandoned. I was working for witnesses at the time and had been since I think 2017 to 2020. Horrible work environment, absolutely horrible. Like I remember being pulled up to talk to a manager who was a Jehovah's Witness, and they'd be like, "Oh, you shouldn't be talking about this or that because you know it's not not really painting Jehovah and Jehovah's Witnesses in a good light. Like, don't talk to the other worldly, the two worldly people in the office about what you did on the weekend because like we don't want them to know." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Interesting. Um, anyways, side point. Like I was bullied by one of my bosses and she was horrific um anyway pandemic hits then I got let go from that job and I was like relieved because I hated it and that's also how I realized I had ADHD because it was just so boring and like I was trying to be efficient and get things done and that's just not the way it was in that office um uh yeah got let go and then I was starting to feel sort of suicidal because it was just just me and my dog at home um you know I've been through a breakup no one's really checking in on me I felt really alone I was scared because of the pandemic um all of these things going on and I already had like I think I've had depression for a long time um and I ended up talking to my GP about it and being referred to a therapist for uh, I think you get four free counseling se sessions back in New Zealand. And I went through that and it was really helpful. And she sort of like, she knew I wasn't going to be able to afford to keep going to her. Um, Cause it's a lot. And she pointed me into the, in the right direction of where to find information online that can help me. And I think oh TikTok at the time was like very therapy focused as well. Like I was on therapy TikTok for a while. Yeah. Um, I was too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was great. And like, that was really helpful. Um, but I remember talking to like a sister from my congregation being like, oh, I went to a therapy session. It was like, oh, what? Like, why would you go? Like, you're not allowed to do that. Have you tried praying more? Have you tried going field service more? We can't, we're in a pandemic. Duh. Um, <laughs> and like, have you tried your personal study? You should be looking at everything that's on the broadcast app, the jw.org, the website, look at all the information, like Jehovah will help you. Don't go to therapy. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and most of 2020, my aunt that I lived next door to um, got really into the COVID conspiracy theories and was sending me oh videos. <laughs> and she has never been a witness. Um, <laughs> she would often say to me that I was in a cult and I'd be like, I'm not. And like, this is why I don't come see you because you keep telling me I'm, I'm in a cult. Um, right. And then she's sending me all these videos and I, I because I'd been like, I'd lost my job. <laughs> I had time. And so I was on Reddit a lot right. and I was, a lot of the stuff is like super common sense to not believe. Like I was like, this is easily, easily debunked by a reverse Google image search, yeah. like to find that whatever you've just told me is someone eating a baby is actually an art exhibition. Like it's someone's painting. Like it's not, <laughs> not a celebrity right, eating a baby right. like what do you want about um <laughs> but i ended up on the q and on um casualties subreddit okay. and from there the conspiracy subreddit and um because i already found like general conspiracies entertaining like there was one about like sure. what what's going on with like the world's glitter 
um, like the largest buyer of glitter in the world and like who is it and like people like someone had a interview with someone at the glitter producing place and they're like it's not who you'd think it would be and like I was like oh my god I'm invested like that's why I was on that subreddit <laughs> um, <laughs> spoiler alert it was I, a weird time we I think it was <laughs> I think it was boat paint like and that's why like men won't want to know that there's glitter in their paint oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's what that yeah. was anyway <laughs> that feels vaguely familiar <laughs> I'm on that subreddit and someone cross posts um from the XJW subreddit, there's a, like an assembly hall in, I think it's Denmark, um, that's shaped like a pyramid and people, so there is a, a, a big conspiracy theory in the XJW world that, um, you know, stuff to do with Illuminati and Freemasons and, and all of these things that aren't really right. actual truths and are easily debunked um my friend jake who runs the youtube channel alt worldly has just done a big expose on it and like gone through oh, every nice. single point so if anyone's watching go check that out cool. <laughs> um but essentially that's what drew me into the xjw subreddit and i clicked it and i was like what is this and then i started going through everybody's experiences and what they were going through and i was like oh my god like these stories sound so familiar. Um, and then from there I found jwfacts.com and over a weekend I was like, Oh my God, I'm in a man-made religion. Like, <laughs> like I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like this is not real. Like it's the equivalent of your whole life. You can see the sky is blue, but people are telling you it's pink. It's pink. And you're like, but that's blue. And they're like, no, it's pink. It's pink. It's pink. It's pink. The sky is pink. Everyone that tells you that the sky is blue is evil and scary and wrong. And then you just find out like all this evidence that, yeah, actually the sky is blue. Um, I was right. And these people have been lying to me my entire life. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> Did you feel like the whole world just like crashed? Yeah. No, because we're mid-pandemic at this point. You're already having a rough time. <laughs> yeah. and then this is a major deal. This isn't something little. Like this is my whole life was was being a Jehovah's Witness and believing everything, um, and fully believing it because I know that there's like this narrative that people say, "Well, oh, you must never have believed," but no, I did. I really did, and all of us did. Like yeah. we really believed. There's, there's very few that are like, oh, I knew when I was five that this was shit and then leave when they're 15 right. before getting baptized. Like, right. good for you if that's what you did, but that's not the majority. <laughs> you don't make it 30 years by not believing. Like, yeah. No, this is this is real. Too. Yeah. Um, so that was in October of 2020. And I realized well, I might need to fade out so that, cause I don't want to lose my friends. Like my friends are my life. Like I don't have a good relationship right. with my mom. Um, in 2016, I found out that she had kept me and my brother from my father, um, that he had been trying to find us and um, that he had passed away, unfortunately, but that I had older half siblings and they found us on Facebook, me and my brother. And like, I met one of them and she was just amazing and funny and, really similar to me and tall as well because I'm tall and I was like wow there's another me <laughs> oh, um I love yeah that. it's really nice and like through through my dad because he was born in Scotland I've got UK citizenship which is how I've ended up moving to London mm. which I will get to nice. um but yeah basically after finding all that thanks, out yeah, <laughs> thanks <laughs> um finding all that out um <laughs> I was like, I'm not talking to my mom. Like I need to process this. And like, it's already hard enough. If I would go visit her, she would immediately start attacking me that I wasn't a good daughter and I should be like seeing her more and doing more. And like, Oh, why was she'd be like, I was, I really such a terrible mother, like really blah, blah, blah. And then just always fighting. And it was terrible for my mental health, mental health. Like I would never want to go and see her, yeah. but I would cause as well, another layer of guilt as a Jehovah's witness. I it felt like it was on my shoulders to be a good daughter to go and see her and try and bring her back into the faith. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. and then to go there and just be attacked the whole time. I was like, cool. Well, why would I want to come here? <laughs> um, and then sort of 
It's exhausting. Basically, I've been no contact with her since 2016. Um, so my friends, my Jehovah's Witness friends, to me were my family, and they were my they were my life, like them and my dog Nacho. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try and fade out, which is basically you start sort of stopping going to meetings slowly and gradually. And you still have everyone on your Instagram and social media and you just like would maybe go to a meeting once a week and then maybe once every two weeks and then just slowly fade out into oblivion. Yeah, wean yourself <laughs> um, off of it. And I just found it really hard to sit there and listen to the nonsense. And like after researching as well propaganda techniques with with the um, – view of the conspiracy theories that my aunt was sending to me that I was debunking very easily. Um, I was like, I can see this in, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, like yeah. this QAnon stuff is crazy and like fantastical and outrageous in the same way that being a Jehovah's Witnesses, the fear mongering, like, how can I be like, you know, that's a wild thing to believe when I believe something just as wild, mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, yep. so yeah, I, that all like played a part in this perfect storm of me waking up and leaving. Um, so from October to February, I was trying to fade out and then I was invited to, and then uninvited to two close friends, um, engagement party. And I was like, what? Like, I can't believe you just uninvited me because I, I yeah. didn't seem like I was doing too well spiritually. So maybe I shouldn't be there kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which is basically their reasoning. And I was like, why am I, why am I holding out? Like, why am I fading out for these people that don't, don't actually care if I'm in their lives? Like they just don't uninvited me. Like these are, one of them was like the sister of my close friend, the, the one that's gay, um, that I mentioned earlier. Like, I'm just trying to link it back there. That's not his only identifier. <laughs> of course. Not, um, but... so like, I knew her for years and years and years and she was marrying one of like my newer best friends who I hung out with tons and he was like a genuine nice guy. And I was like, I'm so excited for you guys to be getting married. Like I'm so excited for this. Right. And then they uninvite me. Like I was oh, like, this is out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, there's no point. And then I announced on my social media, um, basically that I, don't want to be known as a Jehovah's witness anymore. It's basically a cult. It's a high control religion. Um, I want to move forward in my life with kindness and authenticity. And I'm still here for my friends. I still want to be friends with everybody. I'm here for you, but like, please respect my decision. And I also linked, uh, um, a, a graphic to the bite model by Stephen Hassan. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And like Jehovah's Witnesses tick off eight out of 10 in every single box, like right. maybe even 10 out of 10 in one of them. Like <laughs> right. they're definitely a high demand, high but control their, cult uh, religion. They say on their website, <laughs> on their website. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I linked all that up there. I watched my followers unfollow me um, oh. and people started sending me messages like, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry you've been through what you've been through, but like Jehovah's real and he loves you. And like, I can't talk to you unless you're a Jehovah's witness and be careful out there because like the world's going to eat you up. It's a crazy, horrible place. And like, everybody's evil and scary. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Got that from a whole bunch of people. Other people were just like, obviously can't talk to you. Take care. Um, someone that I, that was like my close friend for nearly 20 years, didn't even say anything, just blocked me on everything. So it's just like, okay. How did that, <laughs> how did that feel as someone who was so dedicated to that same religion for so long? Did you have a sense of like, oh, I get it. Like, I understand that you, you feel like they feel like that's what they have to do. Or I would understandably feel really betrayed and, isolated and just all of those really shitty feelings that come with being an outcast. Mm. I knew it was going to happen because I had been in some ex Jehovah's Witness Facebook groups. Um, so I knew it was going to happen. Um, I'd seen it happen to other people, read their experiences. So I was somewhat prepared, 
but like the actuality of it happening, the reality, it was really hurtful, really painful. And obviously still feeds into that abandonment, like issue that I've, that I've got or had, um, and I'm still working on, <laughs> um, yeah. to just have everyone just leave, like, and be like, bye. <laughs> it, it hurts. Yeah. It's horrible. Like and it's then on top like of that, had a relationship, like you, you, yeah. know, you didn't have these 20 year friendships. Like all of that is just out the window. You don't even get acknowledgement of two decades of friendship. Like that's yeah. horribly traumatizing. So even painful. now, like it's hard to not have like those little in jokes or like to have those memories. Like, you know, when you're with friends, you can be like, oh, I remember that time. Like I'm scared. I'm going to forget everything because I don't have anyone to relive the, the memories with. Um, oh. That's okay. We do no, well, first a little. Of all, it's not okay. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Had the great idea one time to compile a bunch of these messages like from myself. I asked other ex-witnesses to send me the messages that they got when they left. It was heartbreaking. Like that was, that took such a toll on me. Like I was originally going to do like two or three parts yeah. because I got so many messages. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I just did the one part. I was like, I can't do any more. It's, it's oh. awful. Like the things that people said to people. Why would you say that? When I was a Jehovah's Witness, if I'd seen someone post what I posted, I'd just be like, oh, well, let you know, like I'm here for you if you need anything. Like I, even when my friend was disfellowshipped those two times, I checked out on him a couple times because I was like, are you okay? Like, even though I was told not to do that, you're not allowed to talk to disfellowshipped people. And then... In my case, I wasn't disfellowshipped. I just posted right. on social media. Um, but yet the shunning commenced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they view it as a, a loving provision. It's abuse. Um, the silent treatment. <laughs> it is. You can be disfellowshipped where they kick you out for wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Or you can disassociate yourself, which is when, you know, um, you say, I don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore. But you have to formally write them a note, a letter, or something and give it to an elder. Um, I didn't do that. So I'm not technically disassociated either. Cause I was like, I'm not playing by their rules. Like the right. not writing some made up letter to some right. dude. Like you don't what? owe them that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, still it's like, clear. <laughs> yeah. It's like, even when you get out, even when you decide to leave, they still are like, it's almost like a last, they want to have the last word. They want to have some sort of control until the bitter end. Yeah. Like, no, fuck that. So they'll even announce this on the platform. So anytime someone is disfellowshipped or disassociated, they, at the midweek meeting, will announce it at the end if there's any announcements. Um, They'll be like, such and such is no longer a Jehovah's Witness. It used to be that such and such has been disfellowshipped or disassociated. Mm. But maybe 10-ish years ago, I don't exactly know when, they changed the wording to such and such is no longer a Jehovah's Witness. So the congregation won't even know if it was your decision. It's just assumed that you were disfellowshipped, which is why Mm -hmm. I posted it on my social media. So I could, I could, I controlled the narrative. This is why. (laughs) Like, it's not because I had sex. It's not because I did drugs. It's not because of this, that, or the other thing. It's because I found out this was a fucking cult. (laughs) Like, I love that you took that power back from them that they took from you way back when mm. and never allowed you to have access to. And you're like, put it right here. I'm gonna, yeah. I will take that back. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have also been thinking like, I actually do want to officially disassociate so that they're not counting me as a yeah. member yeah. <laughs> because right. what if they, they are for some credit. reason? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like, like, no, no, I'm not one. I don't want to be known as one anymore. <laughs> but you know what? You're doing it in your own timing after you've already told your story. So yeah. I think yeah. everyone, it's what's right for one person is, you know, not necessarily right for the other. So if that's part yeah. of your story and that helps heal, I, I mean, oh, exactly. I love it. I love it. I support it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I put that all online. Um everyone stopped speaking to me. I pretty much just hang out with my other aunt, not the conspiracy aunt. Um, and my dog, we, we go for, we, we would go for walks on the weekend at the beach and stuff. And mm. I was pretty active in my, um, ex Jehovah's witness, like social media, like, 
um, engaging on Facebook and like commenting on people's Instagrams and following meme accounts and all of that. And then I started making my own memes and did my own um, content. I started doing memes. I think I did them for about a year. And then I realized that TikTok's probably a better, better way to go. And I started making TikToks. And mm. I initially the meme stuff was fairly anonymous. Um, but then I was like, why do I need to hide? Like, who cares? Like, no one's talking to me. Um, and I realized with doing the TikToks, I'm in a u- unique position where I can speak out because a lot of people, even if they leave, if they're disfellowshipped, if they disassociate, if, if they fade out, they still have family members that they want to keep in contact with. Um, that if they start speaking negatively or speaking the truth about the religion, uh, the family members will start shunning them. So, right. you know, they kind of want right. to keep what limited content they have, contact they have. And I was like, you know what? Like, I can talk about it because I don't have any family left in there. So that's why I do what I do. <laughs> well, that sucks about the family piece of it. But I think also yeah. that's part of the deconstruction process is kind of how you had to like almost tiptoe into being able to just fully be like use your voice in that way is totally it's it's fine I don't think there's any shame in that of like starting with I I kind of like seeing the progression of that like you started with memes and then like an anonymous account and then finally showing your face and speaking directly to people you know not behind any name or identity but I think that's such a beautiful way that you've kind of been able to navigate your deconstruction process um, and and find your voice because you didn't have a voice for such a long time that there's no way any of us can be in those high control groups and then immediately go, or at least most of us, immediately go, Hmm. who am I? What is my voice? How do I speak on this? And how do I have the confidence to do it? Even if I fully believe something and I know something to be true or I know the facts of what Jehovah's Witness is actually doing and what they teach. It's a different ball game to actually be able to find that voice and find yeah. confidence to speak on a bigger platform, especially when the internet yeah. is the internet. Yes. People are very, yeah. <laughs> so I think Thank you've done you. a fantastic job. <laughs> I love you. what you're doing. Um, and I always like, I don't always know what I'm doing and I, I don't always know if I've got it right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm allowed to make mistakes. Like, I can do what I want now. Like, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, who cares? (laughs) Yeah, I do have more that I want to say. I mean, this is already going to be two parts. But what I'm thinking is, I I really think this is going to be really well received. As you know, it's more than views. It's more than like, how many people you reach. It's like, number one, like you mentioned earlier, even if it reaches one person, that's worth it. But also, if it reached no yeah. No other human being. Your experience is real. Your experience yeah. happened, and this is your story and your voice, and that's that's what it's for. I think you yeah. have a great <laughs> you have a great voice, and you have a a, a, a beautiful and real way of sharing that with people. I know we haven't gotten to everything yet. I just have this gut feeling like this is something that people are going to want to know more about and have more transparency on. Because yeah, I think I definitely still wanted to go into like the purity mm-hmm. culture and like the the sex side of things after like you leave at 35. Yes. What are you going to do? Purity culture is something I think is so important. Purity culture needs to be talked about. Like the damage, how deep seated it is, the after effects, like it's so complex and upsetting and disgusting. How do you feel about just doing one specifically on purity culture? Cause I think it honestly like, deserves its own yeah, episode yeah but yeah I think the the thing that I kind of yeah I did want to discuss that the whole feeling of like leaving a cult and then like wow what am I supposed to do yeah. about sex now <laughs> when I'm 35 um and like I because I think that that's something that you know other women and other men people would be interested in as well like yeah it's I, yeah. I'm interested but, yeah. in it honestly j- we can cover that in that right that's <laughs> a big part of your story too is you mentioned earlier yeah there's no sex until marriage you're not married you left at 35 you still hadn't had sex right no how do you you very scary start that process (laughs) that navigation process we need to get into that eventually 
I think that like a bunch of like everyone probably thought that I left so that I could have sex and I did not have sex for two years after I left. Like I, it wasn't, first of all, there was a pandemic. (laughs) Second of all, I have anxiety. Third of all, it's just scary in general at 35, like to 37. Um, But yeah, I definitely think that maybe that's something we can go into if we go into, into a purity culture episode. If you also think we need a whole separate episode just on purity culture, leave a comment, let me know. Before you leave me for the week, this marks the 10th episode of Culture Shock with guests. And I've put all 10 of those episodes over on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. So yeah, hopefully I see you guys over there. Have a great weekend. Live, laugh, leave a cult or whatever they say.